Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared is not here. No, Jared. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. It's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. Uh, we also have in their studio with us Rob Chay from Mad Cow Amplification. Rob Chay from Mad Cow Amplification. He just said it, but I said it maybe arguably better. Go ahead and say it again. Okay. Chefe. Yeah. Um, so uh, our our resident amp guru and our resident know-it-all Tony. <laughs> uh, and we have, I'm just absolutely just really excited because we've got a... You um, might say gobsmacked. I might be a little gobsmacked, yeah. <laughs> we have an icon in rock and roll joining us tonight. Uh, and um, I think, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, icon of rock and roll? <laughs> okay. I've met myself already, but I'll introduce myself. Uh, it's Susie Quaffer here. Hi, everybody. Ho- hope you're all doing good. All good in, in the UK and Essex, which is where I'm based. Right on. So we've got a call from the Susie Quattro. For those who are going like, what, what is this about here? I'm going to do a just a pinky toe dip so that we can proceed with the show, but you have an understanding of what we're talking about. This is somebody who is an absolute breakthrough in music on many different points. And that's what we're going to talk about. And... Why is that relevant? She's a bass player. <laughs> we get all kinds of people saying, hey, can you get more to talk about bass? We're on bass, bass. And I'm like, here you go, everybody. Icon of rock and roll, also a bass player. And Todd, I'm going to go one step further for anybody listening who yes. doesn't know who Susie Quattro is. We're going to get into all this. Well, I'm going to tell them. Okay. Hit pause on the podcast. Okay. Whoa, whoa, okay. Go what? check out the documentary Susie Q came out a few years ago and it is just 2019 chock. thank you very much well aren't you Ron? johnny on the spot i am yeah. uh but uh, excellent outstanding uh rock and roll documentary it actually goes into other aspects too which we'll touch in a little bit later but uh it's uh i i certainly learned a lot from watching it and uh and here I I thought I knew it all, but I don't. Yeah. Tony, Tony usually does know just about everything, so that is saying something. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to uh, just hit a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, we need to thank Road Road Mics uh, down in Australia. Uh, shout out to our pal Nick down Nick. there; he takes really good care of us. Thank you, Rode, for providing our studio equipment and making us sound better than we would without it. We sound better than real life. <laughs> yeah, I'll just Worst say that. advertisement ever. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and we also just want to say thank you for all of the email and direct messages that uh, you guys send to us. Um, it's uh, it's great to hear those things and to share them and get back and everything and keep it coming. Keep it coming, people. All right. Next, we're going to just, we're, we're motoring along because I want to get to the interview part, but the other things are important to us too. Come okay. On, Todd. Hurry up. I'm Hurry working up. on it. I'm working on Man, it. Man, he's, he's, how much caffeine did you have today, Todd? I'm on my first cup. Oh, we just hit our <laughs> sixth year anniversary a couple days ago. That's right. Woo! So, uh, Susie, this is the first podcast in our sixth year. Oh, that's excellent. Good. Yes. Um, cool. You can blow out the candles over there in, in the UK for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so let's talk about what's going on in our world this week. I, I, we got a lot of stuff. So Tony is going to kick us off and then okay. we're going to check in with Susie. 
Well, Todd, in, in, in addition to making millions of pick guards, um, I took a little time out to help out a buddy of mine who had an old Kappa uh, guitar, um, semi-hollow. Actually, it's a full hollow, um, but it had a bad pickup, as is common with those because they're German-made Hofner-style pickups, staple pickups. And uh, I took it out, sent it to my buddy Zach over at Brandon Wound. He did a rewind on it. Um, apparently these pickups are notorious for shorting out because of the tape that they used on the bobbins. Mm. It has a lot of high acid content mm -hmm. and, uh, that could be a good thing, but different kind of acid. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, uh, Zach's, you know, rewound, sent it back, got it back installed. Sounds like a charm. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Zach is a good dude making good, some good stuff over there now over at Brandon. Brandon Wilkins. Yep. Uh, That's it for me. Okay, Susie, uh, give us your give us a, a couple minutes on what's going on in your music world right now. I think it's something big. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things going on. Um, at the moment, I'm I'm doing a lot. I've had uh, a good, almost like a resurgence. Um, the the documentary came out, like you say, and everybody just loved it. It was at the top of the Amazon charts because it's real. That's yeah. why everybody likes it because it's real. And I'm sure you'll agree with that. It's a warts and all documentary, which is what I wanted. Um, I've been doing these big solo two-hour shows all over the world in iconic venues. On the 20th, I played the Royal Albert Hall. Fantastic. Um, I've had two albums out that I wrote and produced with my son, No Control and The Devil in Me, both charted. And The Devil in Me came out in uh, 2021. And I had the best reviews for an album of my entire career. I'm now working on an EP of rock and roll covers. I'm about to release my sixth book, my second poetry book. And I've got a um, duet album coming out in 2023 with my good friend, KT Tunstall, that oh, we wrote. Yeah. We wrote everything together. So, and, and I've got a production company now, Butterfly Productions. So I'm also working with other artists. I'm working on some film music. I'm writing. I love. I love saying this because it sounds so pretentious. I'm working on my second. <laughs> <laughs> you got to use the floor when you get it. I mean, <laughs> I am. I'm actually actually I'm saying that I haven't even graduated high school. I'm Doctor Quattro officially, and I'm working on my second novel. How crazy is that? That's amazing. Fantastic. So, speaking of documentaries, um, have you had a chance to see the Sparks Brothers documentary? I have not, but I would like to see that because I was a fan. I and I, you know, same era and everything. It is, I, I, as much as I liked yours, I have to put the Sparks one as number one on my list. Really, oh, it's, I it's. I have to watch it. Then. It's tremendous. Okay. I mean, it's yes. it's so well done. Good, I'll give that a watch. All right. That sounds, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love how you, you, you just sort of, we'll get into this a little bit more, but you, you just say, yes, I played at Prince Albert Hall. And, yeah, anyway, no so anyways, <laughs> and I got, yeah, a, and I got <laughs> this huge list of other things. I, I love that you are so active and creative. Um, let's check out what's Rob, Rob is up to this week. Oh, it's actually from last week. Tony helped me out with this, swapping uh, pick guards on a telly. Uh, uh, yes. My 52 telly had a, a little uh, Firebird mini humbucker in the neck and wanted to swap it out for a traditional T neck. And so I had to have a new pick guard made. So. Awesome. Yep. Finally got around what, to that. You, like anything special? 
Um, no, well, actually, it is it called is. the special. It's the Lawler Special T-neck pickup. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I love Lawler stuff for very traditional sounds. And mm. I had a Lawler uh, Firebird in the neck, and it was cool, but just I found it impractical for what I wanted to use that guitar for. So yeah. So yeah, I had to get a new pickguard made. So finally got the pickup in, and uh, unfortunately, I don't have the pickguard on yet. Because I don't want to put the pickguard on until I know the pickup height. Because, you know, the, the screws are covered by the pickguard. Well, all you do is you put it down, put the guard on the, gu- on the guitar, and keep lowering it till it's about an eighth of an inch above the pickguard. Yeah, see, I don't go by just like a set. I, I got to hear it and play on well, it. Well, the and- minute you put the pickguard on it, it's going to change the tone. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you, you. So, anyways, but yeah, yeah. no. The, so, yeah, the pickup actually will probably go on today or tomorrow because I think I've got, finally got it where I like it. But nice. So, that's thank you, Tony. Ex- that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. Todd, how about you? Well, I mentioned in last episode uh, how I got this really cool um, fuzz face from mm, yeah. uh, Hello Sailor. Hello, I brought Sailor. it in. Ooh. And uh, yeah, I mean it's a hefty beast. The, those things are, you know. You see them and you're like, that's big. And then you get when you're like, cripes, this is big. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds fantastic. It really does. And he's, he put a whole bunch of mojo into the back end. Lots of interesting guts that he's got going on in there. But that also prompted me, as I mentioned, like, hey, I want to explore some of these other sounds that are here. So I went to the friendly neighborhood store, um, Relay. I mean, not Relay. We're here. Reverb. <laughs> <laughs> we're at Relay Studios. And I picked up. A full tone seventy, mm-hmm. which is the BC one hundred eight C, and uh, you know it's it's essentially a a fuzz face in the box, and in a in a small box, except it has a mid control, yeah. which the original you know yeah, uh, fuzz face doesn't have, which nice is one. really interesting, and it's got a trim pot in the inside. And uh, Joe put a trim pot. He's got two trim pots on the inside. So I actually am not stuck with any, like, well, this is exactly how this needs to sound. And the cool part about that is that I've got a couple shows coming up, and we always like to do, uh, like, a cover, a surprise cover, like, every couple of shows. But but then we just, like, we we never play it again. So it keeps it fresh, and it keeps it, like, hey, what are they going to play? kind of vibe. I'll share this because the majority of people won't be at the show. <laughs> um, but as soon as I started playing this, this fuzz face that, that Joe sent me, I was like, oh my gosh, I know what we're going to play. And so I uh, rearranged to a certain degree, Bitch from Rolling Stones. Oh. And that should pair up pretty well with what we're doing. And uh, cranked up the uh, the uh, BPMs a, a little bit. It's it's not all hunky tunky kind of stuff. It's not uh, that there's anything wrong with that. No no no. At its at its <laughs> core, it's kind of a punk rock song. You know, yeah. not not punk rock like in the you know like Black Flag, but you know, <laughs> garage rock. We'll yeah. just say that. <laughs> anyway, so that was really fun and really exciting. And so now I'm down in the basement and and my family's just hearing me like quote comparing quote. <laughs> Different tones that that no oh, one else can hear. They've, got, they've got to be loving hear. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's super great. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, that that's a lot of fun. Let's get into this because we have a lot to talk about. I, I've got a couple of things that I've called out as things that I find interesting to me. But if you don't mind, I just want to give sort of a, a little bit of a preamble as to you know how we came to getting you on the show and everything. We had our 
uh, our previous guest, Lisa S. Johnson, who has written two of the best guitar books out there right now. The Afterword, which is uh, wrapping up the book in that. Oh, is, is that what is, that means? Is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is, is by, and this was from... Uh, actually, uh, we always do the afterword. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the before word. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this, is, this is from um, Immortal Axes, Guitars at Rock. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and as I was going through the book... I got to the end and I, and it was like, there's Susie Quattro that immediately opened up a whole box of things for me. And we talked about it a little bit on the show with Lisa. There are a few trigger points that immediately happened. Number one, I have in front of me right now, the, uh, the black and white, uh, cover, which is actually one of my all time favorite covers. I'm not blowing smoke. This is hands down one of my favorite covers ever. Uh, from the 73, 74 release. Like, if I could do my band's cover exactly like that, I, that's what I probably would have, have picked. Uh, so well done on that way back then. But it also triggered up a whole bunch of stuff from childhood, which then you can get an idea of you know, where I am at in age. I also have three girls of my own. All three of them are musicians, and all three of them love music, and they are growing up in a world where they don't, they don't necessarily realize all the doors that needed to be open to let them be who they are right now, I think. Um, I may be jumping to a lot of philosophical conclusions, but I believe that to be true. So I started stitching all these things together, and I said, Lisa, you got to get me connected because I, I really would love to have <laughs> her on the show. And she said, absolutely. We made these things happen. You quoted as saying, and this is why it was me that had to kick down the door. It took someone like me. I've never done gender, never. Even when I was young, I was a tomboy. Growing up, I always called myself a musician. I never said female musician. That's a pretty strong point of view. I'm sure that is the thing that has been the foundation through your career. I'm sure that throughout that long career, you've had to discuss that. Even though you feel like that, there are loads and loads of other people that are associating that gender even to themselves, like my girls would. It's kind of a double edge there, what you say. Um, I, I have said that my whole life, and I have always been a tomboy. But what I try to, I, I have a couple of mantras. One of them is find your voice. And once you find it, let nobody ever turn on the little light and let nobody switch it off. That's been my mantra my whole life. All you got is your voice. And it doesn't matter how different you are. It doesn't matter if it's been done before. It doesn't matter. Find your own light and let it shine. But what I do tell young girls coming up is that you don't need to lose your femininity. That's not what I'm preaching. Mm -hmm. What I am saying is, is you keep it like a referee at a football game keeps his red card in his pocket. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when you need to pull it out, out it comes. Mm -hmm. That's the only time you need to do that. When somebody oversteps the boundaries even though I don't do gender, there are boundaries. You need to know this, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I've always had a real good sense of it. But I've always been in this business, you know, for 58 years now. So and what I mean when I say it had to fall to somebody like me, it couldn't have happened. What, what I did, which was I was the first, let's say it how it is, the first female musician to have worldwide success. Just hadn't been done before in a rock and roll band playing an instrument. Um it, it couldn't have been done by somebody who had an agenda. 
I didn't have an agenda. It couldn't have been done by somebody who was manufactured. I wasn't manufactured. It had done, that's what I mean when I say somebody like me who actually, in all honesty, was not aware that I was doing anything. Being true to yourself. Yes. But I will tell you one little story that illustrates it perfectly because I get asked this a lot. Um, I didn't know what I was doing and I never realized what I was doing until I watched the first premiere of Suzy Q at the um, wow. at the uh, cinema in London here. And I went to the Regent Theater and I was booked to do a Q&A come after the after the movie. And I thought, oh, my God, I can see the, the documentary with an audience because that's when you really can gauge it, you know, with the feeling from the audience. So I snuck in on the side. A couple of people saw me and I went, shh, shh, shh don't let anybody know I'm here. And I'm watching the, the, the documentary on the big screen with the audience. And every single famous other rock and roll musician that came out, and there was loads of them, you know, uh, Kathy Valentine, Tina Weymouth, uh, Katie Tunstall, uh, Debbie Harry, uh, Joan Jett, Sherry Curry. I hope I didn't forget anybody. I probably did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm watching them say these things like, we never thought we could pick up an instrument till we saw Susie. All of them giving me credit that they'd never seen anything like it before. And I started to cry, really mm-hmm. cry. And I got home the next day and I called my good friend, Cherie, because she's become a good friend. And I said, I have to tell you. And to be about- clear, that's Sherry Curry from Runaways, everybody. Correct. Correct. Um, and I said, I have to tell you something. And I told her what happened. And she was listening. And I said, you know, Cherie, I've just realized something. And she said, what? And I said, well, by me doing what I did, I allowed women all over the world the chance to be different. And she went real quiet. And then she went, and you just got that? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite stories. Yeah, it was like, it was like she, she might as well have said, you idiot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Only took 50 years. No, I, you know, I, I legitimately, my I got like goosebumps on my arms. Look, Tony, legitimately yes. the electric tingles. Because I, I think that that, says so much about your approach to things. And this leads to some of the questions that that we've been discussing. You know, we're talking about a long career. I think we all know anybody who over manufactures anything typically has a very short career. Yeah, very. Because because what lasts the test of time is authenticity. That's what lasts. People always say, how do you been around so long? I said, because I am what I am. That's all. Uh, don't all, you don't all have to love me, you know, but I am what I am. What you see is what you get. To help kind of paint the picture of, you know, when we say, oh, it was a breakthrough artist or, you know, uh, gender breakthrough or, or musician, whatever those things are, let's kind of help paint the picture of what that actually means. I'm going to check the UK chart in 1973. Mm-hmm. Now, pay attention to this, everybody. These are a handful of repeat performers in 73 and who scored number ones on the UK chart. David Bowie, The Sweet, Gary Glitter, Rolling Stones, Mott the Hoople, Roxy Music, Elton John, Elvis Presley, ELO, Thin Lizzy, Slade, The Faces, T-Rex, Alice Cooper, Lou Reed, George Harrison, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and Susie Quattro. Now, that right there if nothing else, should help paint a very clear picture of how did this happen? Because, like, glam is in full force, uh, especially in UK. Imagine what in your head what that looks like. 
knee-high glitter boots, guys looking like full makeup and everything, glitter everywhere, over yeah, the, and all, all the music's over the top. There's me without a stitch of makeup on. Right. In a in a plain black leather jumpsuit. I was I was not part of the glam. I was rock and roll, but I started having it's in that era. So they kind of lumped me in and the only girl. Yeah. I just realized yeah. that all those men and all the oh well, oh I never realized it at the time. I can hold my own. When you look at the album cover now, yeah. It looks like it could have been shot today. Yes. Well, like I said, yeah, it stands it stands the test of time. I mean, I, I'm 71, and I'm still wearing the leather jumpsuit. So how how lucky that whatever that image that I chose for myself was timeless. Yeah, timeless. That that just blows me away every time. Like when I think about that stuff, because we we talk about music. All three of us have have been musicians at one point or another. Um, at the table here, almost all of our listeners have or are trying to be musicians and in some manner they're writing songs and the only thing that anybody ever wants to do is like i just want to i just want to break quote unquote break through well you know okay again i, I get on my i i have a lot of truths that i like to be heard um you you shouldn't you shouldn't get in the business you shouldn't become a musician you shouldn't get in the business if your aim is to be famous mm-hmm that's not the right reason to do it. The reason to do it is, is you can't not do it. And this is what I think is a lot, a lot with, uh, with a lot of uh, people today that are in the profession, they're, they're in it to be famous. And that's, that's not right. I mean, I would still be playing in a pub if I, if I, if I wasn't known, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. all. Um, but it is, it is, a, for me, it's been a lifelong job. And one I, I love as much today as I did at the very first time I stood up on the stage. The, the same the same feeling. It's like every gig is like the first one, That's which awesome. is amazing. God knows how many gigs I did. I want to make you guys are really green now. I hope you don't mind uh, all, all you musicians who have been musicians at one time or another. Because you're gonna, if 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 you could strangle me through this uh, laptop, you would. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go. Okay you're, hmm. okay, you're ready. Okay. We started the band at 1964. One of my sisters and me. All girl band, two other girls, sisters, and another girl. Started a band called the Pleasure Seekers. Everybody took an instrument. And I already played percussion and classical piano. I was trained on those. Mm -hmm. But I didn't speak up quick enough. So I said, hey, 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 you know, we're all on the phone. What, what am I playing? And my elder sister, Patty, said, you're playing bass. I went, okay, all right. I, I didn't mind. So I went to my dad, who was a musician all his life, and I said, dad, do you have a, a bass guitar? And he said, yes. And he gave me, this is, where, this is where you can strangle me. He gave me for my very first bass guitar at the age of 14, 1957, Fender Precision, gold scratch plate, sunburst finish, and striped on the back of the neck. Are you going to hate me now? <laughs> <laughs> but that was an old beat up guitar back then. That was only oh seven years God. old. <laughs> oh my God. I tell you what, I do see when I tell musicians that sitting across and they look at me and they're kind of thinking, you bitch. <laughs> no, that's a great starter instrument, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't I didn't question because I didn't know anything about it. I didn't question if there was a smaller bass available, if there was a lighter bass available, if there was a shorter neck. I didn't question it because I was given this bass to play. Right. And you were 14. This is what I learned. And it's no mistake I became a good bass player because I learned I'm the best and the hardest. 
The yeah. hardest to master. I'm only a little girl. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was going to say I, that's that the base is uh, probably uh, or you <laughs> smaller, smaller than the base. Well, it comes up to like just above my cheekbone when it stands on the floor. So, jeez. <laughs> oh, you know, even Alice said, and the Dr. Meckery, good friend of mine, Alice Cooper, he said, uh, why didn't she get a smaller base? So I didn't know there was one. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and, I'm, and I'm glad that I learned and still love this kind of base because it's many people have said to me that have worked with me. I look like I was born with a base in my hand. It's very natural. That's cool. Um, and that, that isn't something that you, you know, we don't get to hear from a lot of, of uh, bass players, certainly none that have, you know, been doing it as long as you have. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you, you know, do you still have that bass? Yes, I do. In fact, I use it in the studio. I won't take it out on the road anymore. But I have it in the studio. I have a little confession. You guys are like this. So you might, you're, you're probably a little bit too young, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Along with that bass, my dad, that came in the original, you know, that tweed colored bass case, the original Fender. And it came with the Fender basement amp. So I had the original case with it and a basement Fender amp. And uh, this was the 60s. That's my only defense. <laughs> I, spray, I spray painted the oh. bass. Yep. No, but no, you know, I wrote on it. Are you ready? I'm so embarrassed. The spots of eternity are square. Whoa. <laughs> that's that's heavy, Pee-wee. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I didn't really do that. I did. But I thought I was the coolest thing in the universe. Uh, My dad went nuts. Uh, you <laughs> and know, this was the bass or the baseman? No, it was, it was the bass. Oh, okay. See, now, even I love that because, you know, going back to Lisa S. Johnson just really quickly, the one of the reasons that book – resonates so much with us is that it isn't this is the museum showpiece guitar this is the this is the one that gets used that gets personalized that becomes the thing that makes all the music that that sees all the things so yeah, sure. when you when you make that your own i to me that's what it's about i know i agree and you know the funny thing is when i plug that precision into the into the studio board. It's and Mickey Mo said this to me years ago. Mick, bless him. He's the one that talk, took me to England. The the Fender Precision is the only bass existing that you can plug direct into the board, and it's perfect. Hmm. Perfect, warm and perfect. Well, uh, with that said, I know you've played some other basses in your career. I have. So let's talk about um, some of those other uh, instruments that you've that you've chosen to uh, make your own. Yeah, sure. Um, I for a little while had the uh, Gibson Professional Recording Bass, which needed a transformer and weighed as much as a person. It was the <laughs> heaviest bass you ever want to feel in your life. Um, I don't know how I played that. I give it to a guy to hold it. He falls over. And I used to carry that from London, from Earl's Court. I used to walk with that bass along the street into the city. I don't know how I did that. I played it for about two, three years. Then I went to, um, uh, and I think that's the only short scale neck I ever played. I went to an EBO mm. with a semi-acoustic. That was a great feeling bass, but because of the semi-acoustic, it wasn't so good for the loud rock and roll sound. Yeah, well, especially you know with I mean? the full amp stage situation exactly. back then. Exactly. And I went to uh, the Ripper. I had the Ripper, Gibson Ripper, for a long time. I liked that very big body. 
I had the grabber, didn't like that so much. Uh, let me think. I had, I was uh, sponsored by BC Rich, two beautiful Rich Bitch and one that they made specially for me, the Suzy Q model. I still have those. In fact, the cover of Rock Hard yeah. is I, I still have the jumpsuit upstairs and I have that base <laughs> upstairs next to it That's in my awesome. ego, in my ego room, which is another story. Um, and I, I played what else? I, on stage, I play. Jazz, Fender Jazz, only because you're up there doing what you're doing and I'm running the show and I'm going back and forth and ba-da-da-da-da. And when I get to the bass solo, which I do every night, it's just that smidgen slimmer of a neck. Not a lot, mm-hmm. but enough to make the difference when you're going for the show-off status part of the show, you know? Sure, sure. So I'm back to that and I had status for a while, but I was never really comfortable. But the graphite neck was wonderful to use but no matter what happens i kind of go back to my fender uh benjamin rios he's made me two rios guitars one is called the wild one that's on my wall at the moment i need to get that in the studio um yeah it's good so i've, I've got about maybe 15 20 bases but i think fender is my home <laughs> so on the on the uh the bc rich when somebody posted a, a photo of, of you in a band uh not terribly long ago, and it looked like uh, everybody had uh, the guitar players and you had matching uh, BC Rich guitars. We did. <laughs> yes. We had matching pink BC Riches, and I'll tell you what, that went down a storm with the audiences. <laughs> really a storm. In fact, Robert Palmer, the little stinker, God rest his soul, he came to us, in, <laughs> he came to us in, at a German TV show. And he said, I've just made a video for, and I can't remember the name of the song, with the girl musicians in it. Oh, yeah. The, oh, need a title here. Victim. Simply Something Irresistible. There you go. Yeah. But there's okay, a victim anyway, of love. Is that vic- he, said, anyways, I nicked, yeah. he said, I stole your idea. I've got girls playing behind me with matching guitars. I said, okay, at least you admitted it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Indeed. Uh now, with your with your amps, um, have you varied those through the ages? Yeah. In fact, way, way back in 64, we were sponsored by Sun. So that was good. Yeah. Um, so that was my first one in the Pleasure Seekers. When I came to England, Mickey bought me an acoustic, which had that, um, the reflex speakers, you know, so it, mm-hmm. bass, bass is notoriously hard to amplify. Now they've got it together, but for a long time, notoriously hard to amplify. So the reflex speakers threw the sound out. So that was really, really good. I now play orange. I've been to a few, I have had Ampic for a while and da, 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 da. But the funny thing about basses, and I've said this for years, just now it seems to be okay. But for many years, you would get it right for you on the stage and it would be wrong for the front of house. Then the front of the house would say to you, good, and you'd say, wrong for me. Very hard to get that balance. You want the, you want the boom, you want the power, but you also want the clarity. Mm-hmm. And what, what have you found is the best balance between, uh, for, for both stage and audience? Well, I've, I'm using orange at the moment, which work really good. And I think the compromise for me is to put a little bit, a teeny bit more treble on stage than what I would normally have, knowing that that's going to transfer out, out of the speakers. Good. So, and if it, if it gets to be muddy, the, a good trick to use is to just, to just put a smidgen. And I mean, a smidgen of bass into your monitors. 
just a teeny, just so you get just a little bit more of a feel of it, you know, because a lot of times you're so far away from the amp and I don't use in-ears. I did for a while, but I don't use them now. So everything, everything is done organic. Yeah, I'm just going to do a, a little throwback here. You, you just mentioned, and by throwback, I mean to like, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago, <laughs> but you mentioned that the, you playing the Prince Albert Hall was maybe the highlight of your career. Well, you know, I've done a lot of gigs and I've played a lot of great places. I played Sydney Opera House, you know, I mean, I played Madison Square Garden. I've played everywhere, but I, I don't know what it was about this gig. I guess I'm 71. It's the iconic venue to play in yeah. England. It was a solo show, two hours with an interval. Let's just say I, I really had something to prove to myself. And to the audience. And I felt that. And I went out there and I got a review that I've never read anything like it before in my life. So it was like kind of like I went three rounds with Tyson and I won. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I would think that a, a close second anyways might have been making the cover Rolling Stone in 75. Oh, that was. Oh, my God. You know what I always say about that? There's all of us have a moment in our life when we. We're just sort of, I guess I, I'm going to say um, looks wise, you're at the top of your game. We all have certain pictures. Sure, you know? sure. And that one, I look at that and I'd say, ha, I look like that. <laughs> 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 we got to have those moments in our life, you know? Yeah, no, that's fantastic. It's words and a, and a full-size picture of you, period, end of story. There's no background. There's no nothing. It's so you know, fitting with. Yeah, that is fitting. You're right. I, like I said, I don't like, I don't like bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Tony I'm loves it. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> He's full of it. <laughs> yes, I am. Thanks for noticing. You did mention how getting into music for the wrong reasons. We talk about that all the time. In fact, a lot of the discussions we have echo those things of playing because you love it. It's a calling. Yeah. I always say it's not a job, but it is a job. I take it very seriously. It's my profession, but it's a calling. You know, you can't, you can't not You'd do, do it. You do it if it wasn't your profession. Oh my God, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I go up everywhere. It's it's no it's no secret if I'm if I'm at a, a, a bar or something or a pub, people on the stage, I'll get up and play because I love it. That's great. Now, with that in mind, I'm gonna put I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in my eyeballs here. <laughs> you can steer you can steer the eyeballs of my of my head right now. I'm, I have to I have to make a pun on that. Suck it to me. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, okay, go on. <laughs> put put me in front of television in in the mid seventies. I'll just say that, uh, and which is where I was sitting, and watching my absolute favorite show favorite tv show sure sure so you know where i'm going with this <laughs> i sure do and in walks leather tuscadero this? onto the happy day set yeah, and, yeah i mean that was like yeah the the hand moved the whole nine yards <laughs> like i mean you had me <laughs> and, and and everybody else that was watching at that time i mean that was that was like gonzo and anybody that doesn't know Happy Days, I apologize, but you're going to have to go back and watch some of this stuff because it oh, is a great, great show. Stuff. It's good stuff. I, I flew out. Um, I was on a Japanese tour. I was in Japan a lot, and they called me there, and they wanted me to go audition in uh, Los Angeles for this show. I didn't know the show, but I was assured it was worth it. So I went in, and I got the part. It lasted three seasons, made some good friends. 
I still have a lot of contact with Henry and with Ron. Um, and, you know, the funny thing about that show is what you just said. I've had this conversation with Ron many times, and I, I said, but well, not many times, one Ron time. Howard, was, yeah, Ron Howard, just so everybody's Ron Howard, yeah, yeah, Ron Howard. Um, I assume everybody knows who he is. Um, <laughs> I, I said to Ron, did I ever feel like it was my first acting job to you? And he said, never. And I said, did I feel like I was new to the show? And he said, never. You fit in seamlessly. And it, it felt very natural, didn't it, really? There yeah. she is. Yeah. 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 And it was like, well, of course, that that's who they're going to get paired up with. I mean, it was just like, but the, the question I have, aside from just going like, hey, I'm talking to, this, to that person, which is kind of a weird thing for me right now. I'm just going to admit that. Um, but I, if I take myself out of that for a moment, you in your did that clash with sort of the thing that you were did that did that color the next uh bit of time for you or or uh, can you talk about that at all elaborate sure, sure. it gave me um in and everywhere else in the world it gave me uh this kind of uh oh my god Susie, you've had so many hits and and now you're doing that too. that's what it gave me another feather in my cap mm-hmm. and in uh the states because I didn't have as many single successes, although they knew me, I was touring her and everything. It, I became, they, they discovered Susie Quattro through Leather Tuscadero, which is not so. Of course, I had in, in the midst of that series, the three seasons, Stum Linen was a million seller, though, so they knew me. But um, there was a little era, which it uh, talks about in the documentary, mm-hmm. of everywhere else in the world was having this certain kind of hits with certain groups and they weren't going in America for some reason. So I missed out a little bit on the hits, but it doesn't matter because everything happens as it happens. Uh, in America, they, they will often say, Oh my God, you played leather tusk. It was the most important thing to them, you know, because it was the number one show there for so many years. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I found out after I left the show from the secretary, when I went back to Paramount on a visit to say hello to everybody, and uh, I found out that after Henry, I got the second most fan mail, which just blew me away. <laughs> wow. It doesn't blow me away. <laughs> I, hey. I, I can understand. <laughs> What's with the fan mail? Hey. No, but they, they, had, they had the script for a very long time. Uh, Gary Marshall told me this. And they wanted to find a very specific type of person. And now we're going back to what we said previously. Yeah. They wanted... Um, Somebody who was tough, but who was also vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Somebody who could act and possibly could sing. And the, uh, the, the, the daughter was had her Rolling Stone covers all over her bedroom wall. Mm-hmm. And Bonnie Hallen, who was Gary Marshall's sister, walked in. And she said, oh, my God, who's that pointing to my cover? And she said, oh, that's Susie Quattro. She said, that's who we want. Isn't that crazy how things turn out? <laughs> uh, right place, right time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, do you feel that your, the role you played on, on Happy Days gave you the confidence, maybe even the skill set to move on to uh, musical theater? Well, I always knew I could act. I mean, when, when I was just starting off in going into this business, I – you know, I, I could have just easily have gone into movies. You know, I'm an artist. I just have to say that I'm an artist. But rock and roll grabbed me and it took me. But I always wanted to do acting. 
And that, that was so natural. I thought, oh, great. And I was raised on musicals in a musical family. So, yeah, I mean, Annie, get your gun. My God, get a better role. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, wow. I was. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw some of the snippets on the documentary and I said, oh, my God, that's what a what a better person to cast. Hmm. Yeah, it was perfect. Instead of a base, I had a gun. What's the difference? <laughs> um, and, 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 and they can both kill people. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question regarding. Uh, music writing, uh, and I guess that's not usually how you say that. Music writing, <laughs> but music creation, songwriting, even and and even uh, you know musicianship, uh, it is difficult. I'm saying this more as a question or just an assumption. It has to be difficult uh, because there aren't that many that have that have had a career as long as yours, um, and. We know that through, you know, the decades, it's just as everything else happens, things come in, things go out. New things come in, those things go out. And we've seen so many bands that have uh, been in the game this long that ne haven't necessarily weathered that storm very well. Uh, somehow they're still, you know, making it. Um, others have, have long gone by. So I wanted to find out from you just from a, um, a songwriting and, uh, you know, whatever else component goes into this, what do you think the key to your to, to that success has been? And has there been any times that you're just like, I don't know if this is going to keep going or not. Um, I, I do want to use a brief example, uh, Motley Crue, top of the world for many, many years, um, just absolutely had a flaming bag of poop for a career in, in the, you know, mid nineties or, uh, in the early, even in the early, early two thousands. Um, ultimately they got kind of out of it going back to what they do have done better. Um, that's an example. Have you experienced any of that? Um, for, first of all, I don't write fiction, and 99% of the time I write about things that have happened, so that keeps it fresh, mm -hmm. keeps it topical. Um, I also don't limit myself. Um, if I'm writing a certain kind of song, I don't go, oh, that's not Susie Quattro. I don't do that. I trust that it will come out as me once it's put down. Um, I've released albums every few years, always keeping current. And certainly for the last two releases, No Control and The Devil in Me, uh, which I did in conjunction with my son, he was able to give me a completely fresh look at myself. I saw myself brand new through his eyes. And what a revelation that was. Honest to God. It's like it was like I was back at the beginning. He actually said to me for the devil and me, um, we need to make your first album, Susie Quattro, our benchmark. And this album needs to be as groundbreaking. And I tell you what, nearly every journalist I talked to said it's your best work. So we've accomplished that. You have to keep your ears and your eyes open, but you shouldn't try ever. You're, I think it's bad if you try to fit into a trend. Be your own trend. You know, walk your own road. Let people come to you. I appreciate that. I think um, m most of the people, at least that I talk to, they're trying to find some sort of voice um, or, or as many can say, originality. 
Um, not in the sense of for the sake of being that, but I, I mean, at least I'll speak for my own self and my own band. I get a lot of flack from even my band members and other people that are friends because I put a lot of stock in trying to be as as true to what I think my vision is for the band and finding a way to say that that voice that does come through I want it to feel authentic, and I also want it to feel not like, oh, you're this. Like, I hate the idea of being like, oh, you're this kind oh, of God. thing, the, 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 the pre-expectation. I'm the queen of don't box me in. I tell you what, I, I, I will never have that as long as I live. Don't box me in. Yeah. Don't box me in. You know, you got to keep your your vision wide and you know yourself. You know, there's a I, I have a really good bullshit detector in me. I know if, if I'm not going the right way. Sometimes you start a song and you think, nah, this is not what am I trying. You're pretentious, you know. So you just got to trust your inner your inner self. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're being real, you, of course, you know, everybody does. Everybody does. I mean, um, certain things, you know, certain times you get into the studio and that little chill goes up the back of your neck. Oh, I love that. I love that when that happens. Yeah. You know, there was, um, and I've got, I've got to leave in 10 minutes, by the way, because we did say one hour and I'm going out, but quite all right. you know, um, I'll give you an example, give you an example of what we're talking about. Uh, we were writing for the devil and me pandemic was on. All my gigs were canceled. All my son's gigs were canceled. He was out in the studio. I was on the patio writing, writing, writing. Um, for this great album that we made. And he left the door of the studio open. And he had put down a track with with the drum track, a bass part, and a guitar part. It was just a track. And it came out of the studio. And for a brief second, I got a little bit annoyed because I thought, I'm working on something here. And then it was like somebody shot an arrow in my heart. Mm. I could hardly breathe. And I went, oh, my God. Oh, my God, what is that? And I knew as a writer to not let my brain think. You know what I'm saying, don't you? Mm-hmm. Don't think this. Don't think this. So I just kept that feeling. And like a zombie, I walked up to the studio and I said, what is that? And he kind of was just, I don't know, just something. I said, do me a favor, Richard. I said, give me the headphones, put the mic on and play that track. Mm-hmm. And without any thought being put to it, I sang the first four lines of the song in a voice I'd never used before. And the song is, My Heart and Soul, I Need Your Home Christmas. And we just looked at each other. And I, this is creation at its best. Mm. You don't know what's going to happen. And I think what it did in hindsight now would awaken the Detroit in me, that particular one. <laughs> I must, because there was no other way that you could sing that song. And just to bring the conclusion to that story, I was in the studio then. The album was made. The horns were on, the strings were on, the BVs were on. But, and this is important. Susie Quattro was now putting on the vocal to the finished track, okay? Mm-hmm. I started to sing, and Richard stopped the track in the studio. Now, it was embarrassing because there's people in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, he, he unfortunately said, Mom, you're not doing it. Of course, I went bright red. I said, what do you mean I'm not doing it? He said, don't get mad. I said, what, what aren't you getting? And I got very defensive. And he said, Mom. Be quiet and listen. And he put on the demo. And I went, oh, oh, my God. Mm. So Susie Quattro had to leave the building, basically. <laughs> gotcha. And, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I, I walked around the, the, the block, came back, and I did the song. Boy, he was, he was completely correct. 
I was approaching it as a Susie Quattro vocal. And that magic that I created on that magical day, I just was singing. Yeah. Mm. That's that's cool. I, that's a great story. And, and I think that's something to help put in perspective when you're trying to do something, maybe like let it be and not, you know, put the, keep, keep the effort up, but maybe trying is a different uh, kind of a thing. Yeah. So I, th I think yeah. I'd like to wrap up the, this section um, by letting you know one of my favorite quotes. I guess it's attributed to you. And I mean, I think it speaks volumes is uh, back in your early days, uh, someone had said, you're going, you know, I can make you the next Janis Joplin. And I think Mickey Most, yeah, the reason you went with Mickey Most, he says, no, I want to I wanna be the first Susie Quattro. Yeah. But that's that's it. I was never going to be Janice Joplin. That's not who I am. <laughs> but I tell you, just to wrap this part up, because then I got to get out of here. Um, what Mickey did, this is great. Mickey came to Detroit with Jeff Beck and Cozy Powell to record at Motown. My brother found out he was in town, got him to see the band I was with. And... I only did two songs because in Cradle, the second wave of the Pleasure Seekers, we'd brought my little sister in and I kind of took a back seat after being the 100% fun person. I took a back seat. So I only did two songs. Mickey called his wife when he got back to the hotel. I love this. This explains Susie. Called his wife and he said, Chris, I found it. At last I found it. She said, what? And you said, I don't know. But I found it. <laughs> that's that is awesome. Oh, that's that great. me or what? You know. <laughs> I think we should also plug making sure to go for anybody that is you know going back and you know try to get into all this media. Definitely go check out Pleasure Seekers. That is another. That's another thing. It was like you could put it. You could release that right now and be like, "Yep, that's that's as much now as it, as anything." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Pleasure Seekers were a good band. Very, very good band. Yeah. Well, Susie, we know that your time is valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. And um, I, this has been an absolute delight for me. I hope it has been for the rest of the listeners. I, I trust it will be. We wish you absolute continued success and and in all of your amazing creative endeavors and continuing Thanks. to give yourself milestones. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure and I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye. That was really cool. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed that quite a bit. So typically we have we have our guests run through to get to our would you rather, but unfortunately we had to let Susie go. Um, and uh, I, I'm just really you're at a loss for words. I'm happy. I'm just I'm really happy that like I've been given the opportunity to yeah to talk to somebody uh, like her, and uh, you know knowing that she's got a couple like little blips in my own personal history that's cool i i appreciate that and i'm inspired by the, how creative she is outside just not only her music but you know she's clearly somebody who's very interested in and in, uh not wasting life you know taking it as much as she can get out of it so that's that's very inspirational to me yep um well, we are minus Susie. We're going to hop in the El Camino. And uh, Jared's, oh, Jared's lights are off. J oh, Jared's Jared, a, Jared, yeah, are you we home? just saw him take off. He just called. He said he's got to go to a wedding, which is actually what he's doing right now. I don't know. Is where he getting he, married? I don't know where he got a tux. I wonder if his wife knows. Where does where does Jared get a tux at? You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, boy, I got some really smart comments. Or a couple. But I'm going to be nice. Yeah. Anyways, um, 
So we've got a. <laughs> we miss you, Jared. We always miss you. Um, but we're gonna try to do this without you. Uh, it's it's tough as best we can. Best we can. Uh, Rob is going to do our "Would You Rather" for us today. I know. I'm not gonna do the song though. Why not? That's still Tony. Come on, Tony. You you just got done with like, uh, you had a. Th- with three hour gig last night. Yeah, but I didn't sing. No, but nobody. Well, good. Then your then your chops are nobody all. Nobody pay money to see no, that. No, dude, it's it's great. We showed up last night and three piece band drummer and bass player obviously sing and and the sound guy comes up. He's like, "Do you need a mic stand?" I was like, "Nobody nope. wants that. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants that." Yeah, so I no, actually I, miss doing the vocals uh, in in the current band. Then you should do it. Why not? Because I've I've chosen to put our vocalist out front. Oh yeah. yeah, but I don't mean like. Uh, but you could be the you know. Yeah, another then some yeah. other I'll, I'll get back to it later. Okay, well you should do the would you thing. No, I'm no, no, Tony's going to do it. Okay, okay. Because this is the favorite part of everyone's show, especially Jared. Especially Jared's. It's a little segment we call Would you rather? Yeah. B minus. Yeah. Once more, we try it again. That's pretty generous. No. No, just keep going. All right. (laughs) Would you rather? All right. Here's would you rather for this week. Would you rather, one, play a set of your own original music at a huge festival or event for a live audience of tens of thousands? This show will also be professionally recorded for video and audio release in the future, posterity, et cetera, et cetera. Or? Or... Play a set of someone else's music at a small venue for a very modest-sized crowd with no video or audio recording, no pictures, no evidence the show ever took place. But you will be performing with your biggest musical hero. Mm, that's, <laughs> that's that's really hard. That's a tough one. That's really hard for me in my delusions of grandeur. <laughs> <laughs> Which grandeur? I, your exactly, hero I both. Or this that's what my I mean. Music, yeah, I know. Okay, mm. uh, let's see. Let's go, Tanya. What are you gonna do? Well, that's a tough one because you know, not having experienced playing to a large venue with all the. Document- What's your largest? Mm, yes, I, like, mean, it I mean, it was up in Youngstown, like the size of the Newport. Okay, that's so, pretty good. So, yeah, 500 but, people. But nobody was there. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I meant number of people. Not, oh, largest not, number of people? Oh, I mean, probably a couple hundred people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing huge. Nothing huge. But it was still fun. Um, so, actually, I pref- normally do prefer smaller club. Um, that's what I'm used to, I guess. Um, and I think that I, I like that idea. I have to, I have to think of who I would want to play with. Um, gosh, there's just so many people, and they could be living or dead. Oh, living. Let's, let's put that living in there. Or I know, dead. I know what that's gonna be. I mean, duh. It's oh, be, so that's okay. Go ahead. It's gonna be Little Richard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I want Papa Lou. Yeah. Papa, I want Papa no, it's, it's it's got to be John Lennon. Well. I, I mean, as much as I admire and, and, and love but, his music. But you, but you have to play, but wings. As, you have but to as, play wings music. But, oh. <laughs> oh, now that would be fun just to get John's reaction to that. Or, or everything off of Ram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole Ram album has performed by John Lennon. Yeah. Now, I kind of like that because that would make him very uncomfortable. Um, and now, you know, as much as I love John Lennon, I mean, the stories that I hear of him, and I mean, he 
sometimes could be not such a nice person. Mm. And uh, so I think it would be difficult, unless he was in a really good mood. You want to ruin your the vision of your hero. Yeah, sometimes. Mm. sometimes. Never meet your heroes is, I think, the, uh, yeah. the quote. Yeah. So I'm going to do a set with Susie Quattro. Oh, right. And we're going to do the, uh, all Runaway songs. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Okay. Suck it up to the guest. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Rob, how about yourself? I do the big show. Yep. Really big shoe. Big show, but no celebrity on stage with me. No. So, I mean, well, you're the celebrity. Yeah. Okay, there so you go. Exactly. If I'm playing for tens of thousands of people. What's, what, uh, what venue? What's the venue? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, it'd have to be some huge festival thing for be that big. Uh, I don't know. What's, uh, I, don't, I don't even know names Leeds. of any big festival. Okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, something. Pretty big one. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Interesting. So mm. just because, like, I'm trying to imagine, like, I don't know. I, I don't really have musical heroes necessarily. It's weird. It's like I admire. Or if they're if you're in Greece, they're heroes. Heroes. Yes. Well, those I. Do. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I have lots of those, but they're not musical. <laughs> right. They're not musical at all. Mm. So yeah, I'm like you know like people musical guys that I kind of I don't know are influenced by aren't the big rock stars of the guys like you know. Uh, Chris Wall from Death Cab for Cutie. He was one of the the uh, guitar players, but he wrote a ton of music, and mm -hmm. so it's like I gravitate towards what he wrote and stuff. So it's not like you know John Lennon you're or so somebody weird. like that. It is. It is weird. I know it is. No, you're weird. It's <laughs> not weird. You're weird. <laughs> Damn, Todd. Man. <laughs> He's cut, he's cut me deep, Shrek. <laughs> I think he makes Lennon look like an amateur. <laughs> what I have to do to you? <laughs> That'll do, donkey. All right. Uh, well, I'm going for the big shoe too. I love the I, I I love playing. Like there's a there's a bar that we play here. Actually, it might actually be R.I.P. at this point in stage. What's your biggest Tr crowd? Biggest crowd so far. Yeah. Uh, I think we did. Um, that's about four hundred people. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. yeah, that's respectable. So, yeah. Um, and uh, that was a previous band, not the current band I'm in yet, or at this point. But right. um, anyway, not there yet. Uh, I would go uh, like there's there's this little bar called a tree bar here, which little it, it bar. is it is little, but and it's why like, is it called the tree bar? You're because there's a there's it it's kind of like it's built a tree house tree. built on a ground yeah. built on the ground there's a tree a huge tree that ran through the middle of it right through the roof they built the place around the they tree cut the tree out right the they tree did is cut stump. the tree out and it's a stump uh yeah. so everybody puts their beers on the stump and all Which that stuff weird. but i mean you you're right there like if you're if you're you know, spitting your lyrics out, it's going to land on somebody like a foot away from you yeah. which has this great electricity um i, I would I would probably obviously, I think most people might be considering this too. Like if you're playing right next to your hero, I would be more focused and or worried about like the, whatever's happening with that. Mm. Just because I don't have the, you know, the long professional career of like, yeah, I do this every day, you know, and like I've shared the stage with many people. I would just be like kind of freaking out that, that, that person would be there. Um, so who would that person be? Ah, Joe Strummer. 
It, yeah, I was getting. It's, <laughs> it's probably gonna be. It's probably gonna be Strummer uh, up there. It's either Strummer or or uh, Liam Gallagher. You know, so no, no, not no. I like Noel. Wow. But but Liam's Liam's if no man, Liam's, listening, Liam's, you're Liam just is like <laughs> Liam's a business. Period. End of story. Uh anyways. What about Dave Grohl? <laughs> so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for the big one and I'm gonna go for the biggest thing I can think of, which is Glastonbury. Mm. I mean, I want the flares, the flags, yeah. the light show. Freaking bring it all. And to the Ferris me. wheel in the background. Bring it to me. Okay then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, and we'd go on right before the hives. Yes. You're even picking the lineup. I, I mean, like well, that. some of it, you know. <laughs> uh, anyways, got to do what that you was a do. really fun one, Mister Man. Rob came up with that one. Mm -hmm. um, we have a couple others that we just got, uh, and I'm very excited about those. Mm. Uh, some, some, one of them is is in the future, in future episode, next episode, I believe. So it's, it's, it's like a serious future. one. Not serious in, in like, oh, no, it's dramatic, but it's it's not a whimsical one. But it's well, like, hey, help me solve this problem, you guys. Mm, oh, okay. cool. That's cool. Hey, that's a good idea, actually. Mm. Yes, they don't all have to be gonzo. Right. So if, you, if you're like, oh, well, if that's a part of the thing, send in your would-you-rathers, people. That's, we love to hear cool, them. Actually. We just got uh, We can be more. the problem solvers. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, problem makers. Yeah. <laughs> we need to say More thank likely. you to a handful of people right yes, now. Yes, Todd, because at this point of the show, there's a special group of people we love to thank. These are our executive producers, the people that help make this podcast possible. Now, you might be wondering how you can become an executive producer. It's real simple. Head over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple different levels in which you can participate, become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Each level has a great, some great thank you gifts. But as an executive producer, there's one thing more. What is that? What is that? Oh, you get to have your name read on the thing. You get to have your name Sorry. read on yeah, the you, thing. You did it without a card or anything. Wow. <laughs> All right. That was impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, take that, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Jared's going to have a wedding every week now. Maybe. Oh. I hope not. That's terrible. No, we want him back. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. So special, special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Jason Rausch, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Jamalero, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterly, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Brazen, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk, from Wonderful Audio Technology. Mm. What? Yes. <laughs> David Poe, Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, and Brett Hogarth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Hey, really I actually want to say, hey, big shout out to the, uh, Don Kloss. He sends us all kinds of great questions and stuff that we handle off the air and on. So kudos to him. 
Well, before I was so rudely interrupted, I wanted to say I'm sorry. there's a special group of executive producers. We call them our grand poobas. They wear a fez upon their caps whilst listening to this podcast. Yeah? Yeah. On their caps. Yeah. They I'm wear just, a cap. I'm going to let you go with that they one. They wear a cap and a fez upon it. Okay. There you go before you start correcting me because I know the rules. I'm, I'm, I made the rules. You know what? We also serve uh, a, a, special, uh, a special dinner at the penthouse week. Oh, that's right. What is it? It's macaroni and cheese with orange wedges and um, General Tso's orange chicken. Ooh. And orange Gatorade. Uh, or orange crush, whichever you prefer. Yes, true. I mean, that goes without saying. So special, 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 special thanks to these grand poobas. Tom Emanesco, Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, Hicks Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler K.C. Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. And Eddie Serratos. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Indeed. Uh, I want to call quick attention, you know, we've got some fantastic guests coming up. Who? I'm, I'm excited about this. Who? We've got Andy, Guitar Geek, uh, YouTube sensation, ah. and, and uh, uh, you know, he's a good dude. Loves guitar gear, funny guy, asks a lot of great questions, blah, yes. blah, blah. Uh, we also have... Who? Tethered to the Pulsar. What? Which is, um, if you're, you know, following guitar stuff on Instagram... Comes up quite a bit, uh, and as a just a, a total enthusiast, and shares a lot of great content with us. Nice. Um, we got Uncle Amps. Uncle. We've got Melee's Forever. Ooh. Um, we've got. Ooh. Oklahoma. No. Montreal Assembly. Oh, now I got some people's attention too. Um, bomb guitars, boom, bomb guitars, uh, and Brett Kingman, the Australian demo wizard himself with the headset, and flawlessly plays everything and every piece of gear we could have ever imagined. Does he have a fez upon his cap? Uh, no, he does not. Um, <laughs> few people do. Anyways, those are just some of the interviews that we got coming up, and we're just going to keep going. Do it. Keep going. And if you have people that you're like, hey, I'd love to hear these guys on the show if they haven't been on, if we're not aware of them, let us know. We all, you know, we've got a list of people that we're working on getting on all the time. So um, we'd love to add that, add you to the list. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> last thing, if you are a builder, if you have your own brand of any type of guitar-related gear and want to get your name out to others, I would be more than happy to throw in your stickers, stickers. your picks, your picks. buttons, whatever buttons. it is, to all of the Patreon rewards that, that we do. Uh, and we're just absolutely grateful for all of those that uh, choose to support this show. Um, we love it. And as Susie Quattro said, we'd, be, we'd do it regardless. I would. 
these two guys I have to pay, so I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I get paid in Timbits. Yes, say, you do. Where's my check been? <laughs> yeah. Anyways. It's uh, in the mail. Rob, uh-huh. where, no, Tony, Tony, where can people find you? Tony, where can people find you? Well, I, let's just say you need a custom pick card, looking to do some changes, whatever. Change out pickups. Shoot over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the things you can buy online, but by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you're trying to do, and uh, who knows? I might even have some good advice for you, but I'll take very good care of you because that's the kind of guy I am. Oh, excellent, excellent. And let's see, Rob? Madcowamplification.com. Chefe. Instagram, Facebook, okay. OnlyFans. Wow. I keep putting that out there. My nose is buying. Yeah, so. no, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked and amazed. <laughs> and, and, why the, and, would, the, uh, and the uh, the tube repair business uh, going into outer space. Where does that stand? Uh, I have not heard back from uh, from uh, Mr. Musk. Putin for a while now. Well, that's a good thing. Um, I, the emails are getting bounced back to me Mr. from Gmail, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> well, hey, he's speak, ghosting me. Speaking of that big colossal effed up mess. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, we want to uh, remind everybody, uh, go check out Pedals for Ukraine. Get yourself a super minimal run, maybe even one-off um, pedal from some of the bil- the collective of builders that are making these, and the proceeds are going to uh, to some very helpful organizations um, for the, uh, the people that are victims of all this nonsense that's going on over there. So. And if you can't do that, at least check out some of the legitimate sites where you can make a difference yeah. to the people that are suffering in the Ukraine. World Central Kitchen, yep. USA for UN Relief, yep. and uh, Doctors Without Borders. Yep. Okay. Uh, you can shoot me an email, toddatheguitarnobs.com. You can DM me on Instagram, at guitarnobs. We'd love to hear from you. And you can check out my band, The Valentinos, on all of the streaming things or and go to the Valentinos.com if you so choose to see some different things and we're on the Instagram. When's the next the Vil- Valentinos? When's the next Valentinos album coming out? Uh we're looking at uh I think late summer. Nice. I'm I'm really hoping. Very good. Yeah. Check it out. All I right. like it. Thanks everybody. Have a fantastic guitar week and subscribe. Yeah, all. Record. Have you sampled Jared yet? <laughs> no, I need to. It's just going to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be great um, if he's done on the episode every once in a while. You just hear him in the background. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great point, and it's well taken, unlike the advice for you guys wearing as short of shorts as you are. Mm. I'm not sure. You, you want to see a little something? <laughs> well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time